everyone welcome to the design hat podcast 12 and uh, i'm really excited today because we have a very great guest christine howell and christine is a user experience designer and research leader with over 15 years of experience building design and research functions for a broad range of industries currently she is the director of ux at bright solo uh, welcome christine how are you thanks so much for having me here excited to be here perfect so i just want to start this uh, podcast with a conversation around your story uh, that why did you choose design in your life like how that story came about sure i think everybody has a different journey into design um for me i think it started at a really young age just being very very drawn to creative expression in various mediums um starting out really heavily in fine art so drawing painting physical mediums um tactile and um and that kind of evolved into college when i went to college i was like all i want to do is art and that's really where i wanted to focus my energy i didn't really know like how that would translate into a profession at that beginning stage um but i knew that was something that like i had a skill in i had a passion for and i wanted to like stay close to that so I think college was an opportunity to really like learn about design um and how that can really be a catalyst for telling stories and having um having the advantage from our perspective to to change viewpoints to tell stories in different ways from a visual perspective. Um so that's what really drove me into graphic design. Um and that was my focus back in the day when I went to school. um there were there weren't like digital design degrees that you could get it was really design was really focused on graphic design um and it was new territory from a multimedia perspective for even educators back then um so any chance that i had an opportunity to take multimedia courses or get into that digital space i would i would just devour those courses and and make sure that i had a a connection to that and i think um my evolution from from fine art and transitioning into graphic design and then starting to sample what happens from a technology space and how can you have that connection between technology and design in a way that felt very purpose driven and i think that was sort of my like early stage development into design and how i ended up like going down that pathway great uh, so one thing from the next question i just want to ask i just want to ask I, i will ask it after that as well uh, so mm-hmm. you did a bachelor's in fine arts right so uh, it's been a long time since you have done that so i wanted to first ask mm-hmm. what's the different what you have seen in your whole journey what's the difference currently in that particular kind of area and what other opportunities are there because the, as you said like there were no no more digital degrees and stuff so what do you mm-hmm. feel like did, did you do you feel like currently if someone don't even pursue that bachelor's of fine arts and even they go through that digital pathway does that sound fair or will be good for them yeah i think it's a totally different world today than it was when i went to school um where we were really just kind of at the precipice the starting point of of ux there as a as an industry or profession it wasn't even really defined yet so there were no ux design positions when you went out and looked in the profession um so because of that kind of position for me to to be in um there was a a distinct split at the time between developers or engineering focus and design and developers were really heavy into coding and back end structures and design was very bifurcated into like heavier print space 
So I think um, for me in the school that I attended, um, having a BFA with an emphasis in graphic design helped me to kind of put a profession behind the fine art that I was always drawn to. Um, and then I also have a mi uh, minor in art history. So I have this connection to like the history of design and um, and I think that's kind of in some ways the gap today that you can go to, you can go to these boot camps and I think they're great um, that there are these fast rapid ways to kind of get into the industry but I think in some ways we're getting we're getting disconnected or at least the the more junior level designers that I work with can be a little bit decoupled from like the historical um understanding of like how to lay a page out or how do you draw your eye to certain elements or like just the fundamental principles of design so i think that's been the biggest difference that i've seen um on the flip side of that i think that young people coming in into school today have so much opportunity like the industry is more established they have an ability to really like lean into the core principles that I sort of had to learn in the streets. Like I had to like go into, into work scenarios and really, um, it, it was evolving over time while I was learning and the industry was growing and, and maturing with me as I was growing and maturing. So you're sort of just like learning as you go and different organizations have different levels of, um, those methodologies. So I think that it's just coming at it from two different spaces. Um, and my advice would just be for, for people um, interested in design is to really like just explore the spectrum of that and understand like where those, those passions kind of sit. If it's UX, you're going to be sitting most likely in a more technical digital space mm -hmm. um, and you're going to be able to really make impact by connecting to customers and people and members and whoever's, whoever's utilizing your, your um your designs whereas in fine art it's really more of a like introspective craft where it's like what i want people to express or how i want them to perceive something or i'm putting something out there so um i kind of see it as those those two lenses i kind of agree with the fact that you said uh that at that time there they didn't used to be like the uh, opportunities or positions like ux designer or anything mm -hmm. specific i think I, I'm not sure because I, I'm too young to say that, but I feel might be possible at that time there were no positions for a designer as well in a big companies, mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. uh, because my I have an elder brother and I feel he was he's from a tech background and at the starting when mm -hmm. he was gotten gotten into the job he was the only one who had to kind of wireframe and start designing so that eventually it gets to market and I really agree with the fact because market has evolved a lot. It has, yeah. So, because you have a lot of experiences, like last 15 years, I just want to ask, can you summarize that? Like, how did you step-by-step step got into the, like, experience, you gained the experience that you have gained till now? Mm -hmm. I think the last 15 years, as we kind of talk about um, the evolution of the industry, we're really, we're really um, at the mercy of, like, what technology is doing and how our positions shift over time. So, I would say, like, my job description, my title even like the areas of my focus 15 years ago um, was very centered around UIs, um, building front-end solutions. I was a developer for 10 years. Um, there was no decoupling when you went into um, UX or design. Um, and in those days, we had to be developers as well. So I think having that 
like that background rooted in in how you actually create these solutions that you're you're um, presenting to engineers can be really helpful. Um, and then sort of transitioning into this um, this this like leadership function that I'm in now. And so I think seeing my evolution through that process of like being more of an indiv individual contributor to now being on a leadership team, um, the fundamental split has really been like, can I, can I be that voice to mature my function um, and, and um, advocate for my design team and make sure that I can put them in positions so that they are um, evolving and maturing their practices over time? I think that's been really rewarding for me. Um, and I would say, like, if I can summarize the last 15 years, it's really been pushing myself to get out of my comfort zone, um, not becoming too comfortable in one space and really trying to, like, evolve into this chameleon, someone who can adapt to, like, many different scenarios, structures, objectives. Every company is so different in their journey and where design fits in. And so I think, like, being able to be part of those part of those kind of um, conversations is really important. That you're um, you're evolving you're evolving your own skills and pushing yourself because I think no one's in my career at least. There's not a cut and dry path for design. It's not like first you start here, then you're going to go here, and then by the end of your career you're going to end there. And and from like a business structure, they've just been around so much longer, so that it's it's so much easier to kind of see that trajectory. So you sort of have to carve your own pathway and figure out like where your skills reside. Like if you're weak on the research side, then dig yourself into research and really understand that. And I've really kind of um, transformed the next step in my career based on what I wanted to learn and where I thought my weakness was. Kind of agree because I feel uh, this whole experience is somewhat in a way uh, that we have to evolve as we go along because uh, and everything is getting updated each and every day we have to evolve ourselves according to technology mm -hmm. right now yeah mm -hmm. uh, so talking about the current scenarios i really want to ask uh, because you because designers main purpose is to solve a particular problem right so how do you go through the process of solving the problem and what's that magical process that you follow right now yeah i love this question um so i think it totally depends on the problem um, and I like to describe UX process really as we have this belt around our waist and we have many, many tools around this belt. And so depending on what problem you're trying to solve, you need to choose the right tool for that job. So I think there are right now um, in our current state, many fantastic leaders that are forging the way to produce processes that are going to lead us closer to like the business and engineering methodologies, for example, agile. I think a lot of design design leaders in our industry are trying to like figure out how we couple with these processes that are being established um, and how we can like elevate our functions within those spaces. So I'm sure you're familiar with like design sprints and things like that. I think all of these are tools in the tool belt. It's really about understanding the frameworks around those processes and methodologies and then being able to flex them based on the culture that you're in. So um, the magic process is really about learning as much as you can around all these various methodologies that are out there today, and then arming yourself with these tools so that when you're presented with a problem, 
you can build a process around that solution for the problem. Some of it may be more like unknown space, for example. Um, we're looking at like trying to um, advocate and evangelize our educational experience at Bright Sellers. And so that's a very different problem than, you know, we really want um, people to purchase um, more rosé during the summer. You know what I'm saying? Like when it's tactical versus exploratory. And I need to be able to um, build frameworks for my cross-functional teams to drive them towards solutions based on that problem. Um, so I think workshops are really fundamental for UX, bringing cross-functional perspectives together. So my uh, my magical process is really like anytime possible, and I'm on a 100% remote team. So everybody is co-located all over the United States, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. Um, and so we really need to have, we are the, UX is the catalyst to like bring these groups together and work through these processes. The second piece I would say is time boxing. Um, really being able to communicate like, your process and what the end result is going to be in an expected time frame that is very critical to get buy-in to like be able to run these processes if you're just like yeah we're going to do a workshop but then nobody knows what the result is and you come back and you're like that was fun um i think you get like it's hard to get buy-in around those types of dedicated time when you're asking like maybe five to seven leaders on a team or people who um, are higher in the organization to like dedicate their time to these to these events. You have to show the ROI on the back end. What are you getting out of it? So, um, being able to tie your research um, to ROI within the organization, like what is it doing for the business? Being able to report back on how it performed. Um, those are really like the fundamental pillars that I utilize um, when I think about process. Fascinating. Uh, so one thing that I really uh, want to know, do you think that what you said about time boxing, it's morally related to the purpose, what you want, what you are doing? Like, for example, if I'm doing something, there's a purpose for it, right? As you mm -hmm. mentioned, the example of workshop, I'm just talking about that. So do you feel yeah. it's more related to that part? I think it's related to that part. And I also think it's related to um, the business need. So let's say we had for example, I'm in a product organization. And so we plan quarter over quarter what we're going to be working on. And based on the results of the previous quarter, then we pivot on the next quarter's plan. And so within a given set time frame of a quarter, I need to execute on certain initiatives. So I may say, hey, you know what, like, I actually need three to do this really, really well and go super deep. I need like three months of research. That's probably not going to happen. And so Therefore, I have to go back and say what the business needs is me to have um, set concepts that are going to drive towards um, an understanding of like this behavior that we're trying to change. For example, like the evolution of education within our wine subscription. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I understand what the end result is, then I can plan backwards and say within the next quarter, I have to be able to like run through probably two to three cycles um, of design sprint and I need to be able to do some upfront research. I need to really understand like what's the problem that we're trying to solve and I might do that through surveys. I might do that through a diary study. I might do that through focus groups. So I think it's really like 
keep yourself within the constraints of what you're working in and understand that like you can still deliver value. If you came back to me and said, Hey, Christine, you have two weeks and I need you to come up with some concepts. We can talk about like what that looks like and how deep we're going to go. So I know that was sort of vague, but hopefully that helped mm-hmm. answer your question. No, I, I get it. I get it. I just wanted to yeah. know, like, because what I feel whenever I do something, as you said, no, uh, so time boxing about. So uh, whenever I do something, I always focus on the ROI or purpose, whatever you call mm-hmm. it. So why I'm doing it, and uh, mm-hmm. if I'm doing it, I have to go with a special purpose. And mm-hmm. did I achieve that purpose at then? I need to find that out. So I think that's mm-hmm. for me. I just wanted to ask this as personally. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going forward, I just want to ask a very interesting question. So if you if you had a chance to relive mm-hmm. the whole journey again for your last 15 years, your experience, your learning process. So how would you kind of implement that in the current scenario for a pudding design? Mm-hmm. I really love this question. I think um, from my perspective, it was a challenging question for me because I don't often think behind me. I, I'm someone who really reflects on what I'm doing next and where I'm moving forward. So this was like the first time anyone asked me a question where I had to think about like, okay, if I actually did go back in time, what would I change? Um, I think that I've had many challenging scenarios in my professional career. I think we all experience those. Um, for me, I would not change one of those, one of those, um, I guess, road roadblocks or things that I've ran into because I actually feel those, those points of, challenge or where you felt like you couldn't get past a certain point or you couldn't get people to to understand what you were saying. That really was a, a huge turning point and pivot for me in growth. Um, it was an opportunity for me to identify my own deficiencies within my skill set um, and be able to work on that. So like thinking back in time, I, I probably wouldn't change anything. But what I would tell myself 10 or 15 years ago is that I need to dive deeply into an understanding of ROI and the impact design can make early on um, and be able to succinctly communicate that to business leadership. I think that is really the power behind design. We have all this validation. We're doing these things for a purpose, but oftentimes, especially early in our careers, it's very hard to like connect those dots back to the business need and why you're doing that and why it's worth the cost. So I think that would be my advice to myself if I went back in time. That's really good. I think the audience whoever is listening might be very help uh, get very helpful from this. Uh, one very big question. I kind of will relate all the last question from this only. Uh, so what would be your five piece of advice? for anyone who is watching might be someone who is just trying who is just starting his career in design or who just wants to know design or who is who has been in design for a long time so what will be a five piece of advice from your whole journey in the design career for the last 15 years okay also a great question so i think that my five pieces of advice will start with number one be adaptable don't get too comfortable with what you know uh, business is evolving rapidly. Technology is evolving. Embrace, embrace that change and adaptation. Over my 15 years, like being on the other side of things and you're just starting out, I can tell you like this industry is not even the same industry as it was 15 years ago. I envision we are going to be an AR world. We're, who knows what we'll be designing like moving forward. And so 
just being really comfortable um, with being adaptable and knowing that like, that's just the space, that's the space of technology that we're in. The second piece of advice would be never stop learning. I think I've kind of said this throughout the, the interview today, but um, when you think you found that magic process or the right way to do things and you have that aha moment and you're like, they get it and it's working and this is great. Understand that that is a singular moment in time. Um, continue to read, educate yourself, learn, grow your own practice, take those frameworks and really evolve them into the culture and organizations that you're working in because every single culture has a different way of doing things. And our job is really to elevate um, the function within those cultural constraints. So uh, my third, my third um, learning would be work hard to disprove your own biases. We all come into design exercises and we have a bias of like what's going to work and what's not going to work or what our perspective is or our own um, vantage point or view of the world. And so I think coming in to these scenarios and always being humble, whether you have 15 years of experience or one year of experience, be open minded to all these possibilities. It is a tremendous virtue for design leaders within an organization that we possess this powerful tool and it really drives innovation. I don't think a lot of other, um, I don't think it, I know a lot of other um, leadership in product organizations don't think that way. It's really about, I have to prove my position because I've been doing this and I've seen it and I'm confident and I know it. And we have this opportunity to be very vulnerable and come into these scenarios and say, I think this is an assumption or bias, but I, I have to go and validate that because I'm not sure. So um, that would be number three. Number four would be get used to being uncomfortable. And that's really like a personal, a personal goal, not just like uncomfortable, like being at work, but uncomfortable with like pushing yourself, setting goals. If you want a promotion, figure out what it takes to get there. Write the steps that you need to get there. Focus your energy on that. If you um, have a deep rooted fear of public speaking. I used to be so afraid, like if this was like 15 years ago, I, my hands would be shaking. Uh, my face would be like bright red. I would have been so, so, so nervous to talk to you. Um, and I think that, um, you need to force yourself into those uncomfortable scenarios to be able to grow. Um, so like have a conference, say I'm going to present at a conference one time this year, you know, things like that. Just keep pushing yourself outside of those comfort spaces. Um, and that for me has been like the, the greatest way for me to, for me to grow personally and professionally. And also like just getting your self-esteem and confidence and like, um, it's just been, that's been awesome. And then the fifth thing would be, um, be obsessive about understanding what your customers want, need, desire, their pain, that is our superpower as UX practitioners. Um, it is oftentimes we are the only voice in the room advocating for members. So drive your entire focus and practice around that sentiment and, and you won't go astray. When we get so distracted as a function on like UI or what the interaction needs to be, I mean, these, all, these are all parts of the story. But if you can root your discussions in that, obsessive understanding of like who you're designing for and what the behaviors that they need and who these people are. Um, 
that's going to give you that like that power to be able to move forward and really impact the the work that you're doing it's really 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 i think got a lot from this five points because uh being a budding designer myself i feel a lot of these points are someplace not just specific to design but also specific to our life and how we kind of make our uh journey into design uh so yeah uh so at this note uh i would just like to end this podcast and thank you so much christine for coming over and uh kind of pouring your knowledge out there to help the audience might be someone uh to get some help in building their journey into design yeah thank you christine thank you everyone for watching this and if anyone wants to follow or ping uh christine uh, her socials will be linked down in the description below again thank you so much christine for having uh, for being here so much i appreciate the time thank you bye bye bye